0: You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.
1: Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Data Unlocked podcast. In this podcast, we explore ways in which data drives creativity and innovation for marketers. And we explore that with the best and brightest marketers in the industry. My name is Jason Davis, founder and CEO of Simon Data, a growth platform driving smarter marketing for brands like ASOS, TripAdvisor, Equinox, and BarkBox. And today, I'm thrilled to have Sarah Tresh on our podcast here. Sarah, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here.
1: For our listeners, Sarah has been a longtime friend and advisor of the business, and you know, I'm particularly excited for her unique perspective, not just on technology, customer experience, and marketing, but really how this integrates into people and systems. Sarah, maybe you can spend a few minutes talking about your background and your career.
2: Yeah, sure. I'm a GM by training with a finance background, but got the customer experience bug pretty early. And so product, marketing, strategy, partnerships, you name it this common thread of customer experience. And so my current job now, I'm at Charles Schwab doing all things digital experience. So I've got the digital accelerator, our user experience and research teams, and then I train all of our digital product teams on how to meet this moment of this constant digital transformation that we're all experiencing every day.
1: Great. And when I first met Sarah, she was a New Yorker and is now expatriated out to the West Coast and Bay Area. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. uh, been sad to see you leave, but it's great to have someone to visit when I'm out there let's jump into things here. The first question I always like to ask is around potential and unlocking data. And really, when we look at the challenges in the broader market from Simon's perspective, the first question we always ask is where do people get stuck with problems around data and where could data play a bigger role?
2: Yes. So I think the absolute first place to start is, is this part of your growth strategy, business growth strategy? And the reason I say that is because Every company has a really strong starting point with data because your prospects, your customers are leaving a digital footprint with you every day. What you do with that outside of those specific teams that are managing it, I think is the big question. So are you thinking about that as it relates to your growth strategy, that data has matured, not just from what you're collecting, but also what you can ask for. And some of those things you can ask for in your live channels, and then all of that can be wrapped with a data wrapper around it. So Do you have a starting point for your data? And then in your business plans, where is data? Can't be an afterthought. It can't be part of the execution plan. But like, what opportunities are we seeing from our customers today? And how does that level up to the very top level goals? I don't think we're there yet on that one, Jason, to be honest. But I think companies that do this well, we read about them a lot. But I think every company needs to have data as part of their core business strategy.
1: It's sort of a funny orientation. I think so many brands, so many enterprises, they're just taking orientation of we'll collect everything. And then after the fact, they'll execute and set their strategy and their OKRs and their goals. And then suddenly, what they want to measure actually hasn't been collected. When as powerful and as expansive as data and data infrastructure and, and data technology is today, yeah, you know, it's still that, you know that strategy just never works. So, couldn't agree more. And really making sure that what needs to be measured and what matters um, is integrated first and foremost and right, embedded into outcomes, goals, and strategies. So that makes a ton of sense from our perspective. Um, yeah. You know, and maybe we can sort of get on to. My next question is, when data is used successfully and fully integrated into a strategy, as you're describing, what does that transition look like and what does before look like, sort of contrasted with what after looks like when it's done well?
2: Yeah, so I talked about being a lifetime customer experience nerd. I, I think if you take it at an experience level, and a lot of us say this, we're all in the business of building an experience. I don't care what your job is, you could be a data scientist, you could be a tech developer, but ultimately, there are all these moments that we're interacting with our customers every day, including logged in moments. And so if you're in the business of building customer experience, I think teams and organizations that pivot really well, the first thing they do is all those micro moments where your experience is building link to a broader purpose for the customer, not your business goals. So for example, I'm in financial services, but I think healthcare is really similar. Like, How do we help you meet your life goals. They could be health goals. They could be investing goals. They could be family goals. So in the very specific parts of the experience, can the client see that you have their back against the mission that you've talked about at a brand level? And the finer points of the data that you're collecting and analyzing, maybe a system is doing that for you, or maybe you're doing that yourself. Customers can feel that. And if you're five degrees off from that, then your experience starts to degrade and people feel that and they see that. But if they can see, oh, okay, wait, I'm at this part of my product with you and here's how you're making this a better experience for me to meet whatever my bigger goal is. And you understand that even in these small moments. Teams that pivot there generally get better success. There's a second part to that though, Jason, too, because I think, okay, great, I can link my team OKRs or my team goals to a broader mission statement and operationalize against that. I think the other thing That's really important. If you're building a customer experience very locally, right? It might be that specific product. It could be that specific channel. What is the job that you're trying to do for the customer? And data is so critical here because you see drop-offs, you see engagement, you see sentiment. You see everything. And we use the jobs to be done framework, which is a fairly common one. But there's functional jobs that you need to do in that moment. And there's emotional jobs. Maybe you're connecting to a broader community. Maybe you're validating confidence in a decision in addition to the transaction that's going on. So how is your data strategy helping you in those very specific micro moments so that you can get sort of the functional part of that experience right? Because that's all we want when we come and interact with a brand is, here's what I'm coming for get it right. And then that emotional part, because people do experience brands and they do experience it more and more with the data strategy that's behind it.
1: One question I always like to ask is, ultimately, to your point, everything comes back to the customer. You know, and I think from a data perspective, there's certain aspects of the customer experience that are very easy to measure. But then there are others which aren't. The customer's emotional reaction and orientation to a brand and a product across many dimensions can be very hard to measure their ability to take out their credit card and spend $29.95 with you is actually much easier to measure. So how do you think about really from a data perspective attacking this problem holistically?
2: Yeah, I think one thing that's really helpful is customers are voting every single day. It doesn't matter what type of product you are. So repeat customers, right, is a really easy measurement of if you're getting this right. I think the other part that's And all the ways that you would measure that and then action against it. I think the other part that's really important in the data strategy is so critical here is that you don't just launch a feature or launch a marketing campaign and you're done. If you have an effective data strategy, there's this feedback loop that you're getting all the time in terms of how are people reacting to the content that you're sharing? Are they getting stuck? Are you respecting their time? All the things that we as marketers and product people do every day... But if you use your data to go along an optimization journey constantly, so that you're not just putting out a feature and then moving to the next one, then chances are you're reducing complexity, you're respecting people's time, you might even surprise and delight. But this feedback loop is so important and you can systematize that. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. But I think if you're just constantly evolving the experience that you're putting out there and letting your data inform you, then you're following your customers, which is exactly what you'd want to be doing.
1: Yep, totally. And maybe we can sort of just talk a bit more about you know JOSPI Don and yeah. I know I've I've talked with you quite a bit about how you guys think about the Schwab and to the extent that you can maybe sort of share some of the goals specifically around some of your current initiatives today. One thing that I find super interesting is as you look at success across the customer lifecycle, obviously, your repeat purchases and coming back and repeat engagement. But really, when you connect your product designers, your marketers, your engineers into those business outcomes, maybe you can give an example or two around how you've seen this done effectively and what some of the specific goals from a data perspective might be to really make sure that a great customer experience is actually being had.
2: Sure. One of the things that is core to the value that we provide is the power of people and digital. If you want to do everything through digital great, if you want to do everything with a person fantastic. We get to meet those two very far ends of the spectrum. But for most people, it's a combination of both. And so to answer your question specifically, we try to set in the digital team for example, we try to set experience goals that reflect the end-to-end experience of the client. So, where do you want to get advice? Or where are you comfortable using digital? And what are those touch points? What are those escape hatches? So, you know, it's everything, Jason, from the effectiveness of the help that we provide. A lot of the things that we're helping customers on is fairly complex. So are those help trees working when they do punch out and maybe call us or want to interact with us on chat? Is it because they got stuck and we couldn't complete it? Or is it because they actually want to go deeper in the trade that they're making or the investment plan that they're making? So setting goals against the really specific points where you're okay with people wanting to jump out or where you feel like maybe they're jumping out because you haven't solved their need. We basically measure time for the client or for the advisor with a 2 b business as well. And then I would say the other thing that we really try to look at is we talked about end-to-end, but front-to-back. So a lot of the things that we're building do require a lot of process, a lot of capability as you go to the back of the house, whether it's for approval or verification or confirmation that inventory is there. That's not our business, but other businesses. And so regardless of how automated that is, you have to be really transparent with the customer about that part of where are they in the process, status and things like that. So you can also, I think it's just about really transparency and you can let data provide that even if it's not slick and sophisticated as you want it to be. So we try to set goals that are reflective of end-to-end, even if we're just working in one channel and then front to back so that they have a very clear understanding of where they're at with us, which whatever they're trying to do, and then we can communicate that back.
0: How are leading brands using data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market? Find out on Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.
2: That's
1: super interesting. So I guess end-to-end just would be more reflective around the customer's broad experience across their life cycle. And front to bank I guess, is really the customer's experience relative to the footprint and constraints of the business, whether it be a support queue or out-of-stock for something they ordered from an e-commerce provider, etc.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, a great example of end-to-end, which every business has, is onboarding. Everybody in your org is probably touching the customer in that moment. This is where one set of goals, which your data layer is measuring and empowering across all those different touch points in onboarding, they couldn't be more critical. Because there's nothing worse than feeling like you're getting handed off as you're working through an onboarding flow and then just like sort of dropped into something that isn't even the reason that you came in the first place, right? Because you started on a prospect experience and all of a sudden you're your need deep into a client engaging experience. But common goal, and then all of the listening around that can make that as simple as it possibly can be.
1: It's a great observation because, especially if businesses grow and as enterprises get more complex, something as critical as onboarding so often has so many touch points. When the KPIs required to measure that, ultimately all that matters is that the customer sees a single brand, single experience and something which is just continuous, obvious, not difficult, not painful, but really making sure that that whole process, whether or not you bought some IoT device and you're trying to figure out how it works and what's the functionality, what are the features and how does it relate back to your lifestyle or or some of your buying reasons or whether you bought a new mattress and the brand really wants to make sure that you're fully enjoying and having a great experience with it. Oftentimes these experiences are owned by two, three, six or more teams. So while yes, these sit downstream from revenue, there's so many basics around the experience in terms of is it continuous? Are things actually happening one after another in the right fashion? I think so many enterprises and companies just don't bother to really look at very closely.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you know, and what you know really well, the data's matured enough that even if those experiences are sitting in six or seven teams, there are capabilities out there that can bring that knowledge of what the customer is, ha- you know, what is happening with the customer, both with how they're interacting with you as well as in the back of the house to bear so that you can make a better decision, maybe in the one line of content that you provide, you know, verbally or, and, and that's where it kind of links back to the entire part of growth. I don't know that all of us are really thinking that strategically about these micro moments, but it's possible, right? And I'm sure you can, your company and your tool set can provide that view, which is so powerful.
1: It's a great point around, ultimately, the data actually does two things. It both allows you to measure whether or not these micro moments and the end end experience is continuous but it also allows you to coordinate. From our platform perspective, we're much more focused on the coordination and the enablement piece to drive continuous experiences. And the reporting is part of what we do, but certainly going that next level deeper and really understand the continuity across the journey and journey analytics and journey mapping are are things that many of our customers do on their own terms, their own analytics and reporting functions, or actually vendors who do this as well explicitly. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you don't have that data strategy and data investment, you can't even get to the state of knowing what the customer experience or lack thereof is. So it really sort of, I think, is illustrative of how critical it is today to elevate data and to really make sure that it's not some afterthought that, oh, we'll measure and see how it works, you know, two quarters after we launch
2: it. Yeah. And I think that we've talked more about measurement, but we always talk about insight and then action, right? And I think with so much of what you can do, if you're listening, It's not some static learning that you're having at those moments in time that you were just talking about, but you're constantly improving that experience. You're not just trying to get someone to convert to buy something or start a financial plan. You're like, oh, okay, what does that person actually need? And can I have the software potentially help them get there? Because I know more about them or I've seen people that look like them. So I think this constant feedback loop is another really good place to start of like, how do I actually take what I know and put it right back into the customer's hands? And can I do that? automatically. We all have varying levels of sophistication, right, in terms of our environments, but you can definitely do it. And if you can do it in a more automated and streamlined way, fantastic. Great. And maybe
1: Sarah, when you sort of look at the last two, three, five years of sort of industry and and data capabilities, one of the huge areas of focus from our perspective at Simon around product development is just this notion of feedback loops and iteration. I mean, you've looked at how data has become an enabler to really allow your teams to move faster and to move smarter. What have you seen over the last five years, two years, whatever time period you know might have been an inflection point for you personally, and what's really sort of pushed you forward?
2: Yes, I think as data has become easier to access and just. A competitive disadvantage, honestly, if you're not bringing it in. There's kind of two things that stand out to me, two hurdles to overcome, and it could be a team of eight. I'm a big believer in small teams going after big problems, or it can be a whole organization, but our data is not good enough, right? It's sort of objective number one, and we don't have time for this. I'm sure you you feel that (laughs) in the sales cycle as well, Jason. And both of those points, you can turn that accountability right back onto yourself and onto the team. So if your data is not good enough, the place to start is okay, we've got a marketing plan that we're going we go to launch. We've got a go-to market plan or we have a product plan and a product roadmap. What are the data elements that are part of that? You talked about this a little bit earlier. And are we funding them? And are we creating time to actually do that in our process? Because if you do, then that product launch, that marketing rollout is going to be double digit more effective. So we don't have good data. No, build that in right up front. And you know, if you're starting a little bit farther back from the starting line, then maybe you're actually starting to build the data assets and the capabilities, or maybe you're highlighting the need for some of this broader stitching together that companies like yours can provide. That is a huge flip moment to realize that you can own that. You don't have to wait for some magical person who has the title of data in your org to come knock on your door. And then the second point around, we don't have time for this, you hear this a lot with experimentation and this is agile principle. Number one, doesn't, you don't have to be developing software, but if you de-risk things and this is exactly what this data feedback loop can do for you, then chances are you're continually optimizing even before a big launch, right? Like a lot of us now go out and get learnings before we actually put something out to market. So we're just like, you get efficiency because you're hitting the target. You're meeting the client need more easily Your velocity goes up, your quality goes up. You can measure this. And Jason and I have done this drill so many times, three months. You can see a change on a team or an organization within three months if you just sort of go over those two objections if we don't have time for this and our data is not good enough.
1: That's certainly inspiring. Hopefully, our listeners will take inspiration from that as well. We've seen the exact same thing. And ultimately, it's friction around workflows that prevent teams from from really engaging with data experimentation and data-driven iteration. It can be a terrible cycle if you can't break it. But knowing that in three months, you can actually break the cycle and get on the right path is really, from our perspective, a a no-brainer that investments need to happen. So uh, yeah, that's a great little bit of data on its own.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a bold statement, but even just in, I'm in a product team, so just we have fewer sprints. Right. Because we're doing, in our case, maybe some upfront discovery or looking at something that's launched. So, yeah, three months you'll start to build your own story. And I, I, maybe the last point on that one, Jason, is every team is looking to be empowered these days, regardless of where you sit in the org. And so, I think that is another big trend. Like, you sort of would set a strategy and sort of the decisions would shape around that strategy. But because the data has matured and there's so many more interactions, even in the last 18 months, like everybody has a bigger digital footprint than they did pre COVID. You can take those fact-based decisions into your product or into your marketing plan, and then sort of rise those up and start to really show the why of what you're doing and get support for it.
1: A hundred percent. So with that, maybe we'll sort of Mm -hmm. wind up as we approach the bottom of the hour here. But first, want to Sarah, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom. With us, at the end of the day, as you sort of outline, especially when you look back on the last 18 months, the digitization that COVID pushed us forward with really has provided us with sort of a bed of, of having no excuse around not really leveraging the data that was now collected that wasn't before. And ultimately, the teams and the brands and the enterprises that are able to actually use the data to innovate quickly, from our perspective, are the ones that are certainly going to win.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And speed, is not all about as fast. It's also making smart choices and data can help you make smart choices and figure out where to put your resources. Absolutely.
1: hundred percent. Thank you to everyone today listening to this episode of the Data Unlocked podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Simon Data, please visit us on the web at simondata.com or email us at hello at simondata.com. And thanks again, Sarah, for coming on the show today.
2: It was a pleasure. Thanks so much.
0: You've been listening to the data unlocked driving better marketing with better data. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple podcasts, and Google podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.